Voices, the podcast that explores the topics dearest to our hearts. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the discussion. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Hi, my name is Ali. I'm one of the co-founders of Mental Health AE, a full-time faculty at the American University of Sharjah. I'm so excited to be here today. I've got two wonderful ladies on the panel. We're going to talk to you about shifting to a positive organizational culture to reduce employee burnout. We know COVID really highlighted this issue and post-COVID, we're still trying to figure it out and pick up the pieces. With me today, I have Dr. Louise Lambert. She's the Director of Happiness and Wellness Programs, as well as Associate Professor at the Canadian University. As well as her, I have Reem Osman here, who is the Chief People Officer and Curator at Nibble. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thanks. I think let's just jump into it. Um, Louise, if I could ask you, what is burnout? Well, I can give you the clinical definition, and then I'll give you maybe the more colloquial, is that how we say that, definition. Um, so from a, a clinical perspective, we typically define burnout um, with five different characteristics. So one is that the individual experiences unfair treatment at work, um, very high workload, unmanageable workload. Um, the role is not clear. So the employee might think like, Who, who's like, what? Who's doing what? Who's responsible for what around here? Um, the biggest characteristic I would say is also a lack of communication and lack of support from managers and uh, not enough time to do things in. So the outcome of that is really employees and senior leaders and managers, they get burnout as well, um, but feeling exhausted and not just exhausted after a hard day's work, but this real emotional exhaustion, physical exhaustion. And I would also add maybe a bit of moral exhaustion mm -hmm. where you start to question what, what am I doing here and why? Just to kind of follow up on that, how would you um, kind of explain to management who says, well, job is a job, it's tough, toughen up. Yeah, I would say you're, you know, you're looking at employees who are burning out. Yeah. Um, so I think for a long time, we put burnout in the heads of employees. We've almost seen it like a bit of a failure or a moral weakness. But increasingly, we're starting to see burnout as a failure of organizations. Um, so, you know, when you, when you have employees who are burnt out, that's really a sign that management senior leaders are not doing their role. So I always think of organizations a little bit like a family. Um, so if kids are misbehaving or, you know, there's just negative outcomes in some way, we immediately look to parents and go, what's going on here? Because <laughs> kids don't, you know, they're not born that way. And same with employees, they're not hired that way. So something has happened in the organization to make that happen. Um, my response to that would be, and, and you're quite right, lots of managers are like, well, I worked 18 hours a day. What's your problem? Well, I'm sorry that you did for one, because you shouldn't have. <laughs> and uh, luckily, employees are saying, I don't really want to do that. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm, you know, that may have been your experience, but increasingly more and more employees are saying, I don't want to do that. But also managers and, and many senior leaders themselves are saying, I also don't want to do that anymore. Um, before I jump to you, Reem, uh, just, just a tiny bit more follow-up. We're reading so much about this great resignation, the silent resignation. Mm -hmm. And I have such conflicting opinions on this from people I know who've been in industry for a long time. And they tell me, oh, these little Gen Zers can't handle it. They just can't handle it. This was normal. What's, 
what, this is a normal workload. What's the big deal? They're too soft. Yeah. What, what do you have to say about that? Well, thankfully, we're soft because humans are soft. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, yeah you're right. I, I've heard that, too. And, and again, I come back to it's not because they don't want to or because they can't. It's because they don't want to. Um, and so, yes, all of us can work 18 hours a day. All of us can be burned out. Can we do it? Sure, we can. It's that we don't want to. And there's a better way to live life. There's a better way to work. And why couldn't we find solutions for that? I hear you. Thank you much. Reem, if I could ask you to kind of chime in and talk to us about what your experience has been from an organizational perspective. I think what's what's important, as you said, it's it's m like monitoring your team to see where, where the signs of burnout are. Um, I came from, um, we call it a nibble, we detoxify people when they join nibble. So for us, it's not how long you're sitting at a desk or what time you signed in, it's the results, right? So we give people sort of like autonomy and the independence to go, okay, this is this is what I have to do. This is when I need it by. So I will like work out around that, you know, work around that and produce results. I came from a very different background. I came from a very sort of like micromanaged background where it's like, well, you need to be in the office at eight o'clock. So you're coming, you're racing through traffic and you're, you know, and you're stressed and, and what, and th those are all precursors to your burnout. Like it starts way before your day starts, you know, you're, you're already building up that anxiety. And this is something that we, we have, I'd like to say eliminated at Nibble because it's not about like when we, when people join Nibble, like the first couple of the first couple of days or the first week or so of someone joining, I'll get messages going, "What time should I be logged on?" Or what you know, and I'm like, "No, it's not like that." You know, you know your role. You know, and I think it, again, having said that, you know your role. It's all about your purpose, right? What if someone knows their purpose in the organization, it makes it easier to understand why you're doing what you're doing. If someone's just barking orders at you and um, telling you this needs to be done and you don't know why because you know we're all cogs in the wheel right so um, as long as you give people a purpose so like this this is how your job relates to what the strategy of the business is doing this is how your part plays people will understand it then and there's less resentment and there's more like um, drive to be a part and to produce those results. If you're just throwing things at somebody that doesn't know why they're doing it, and then on top of it being like giving them a million and one deadlines, you're gonna get burned out quicker than, than most. So I think it's a case of educating your employees, letting them know where they, where they stand, what, what, what they need to deliver and why. That's, that's the main thing. Um, and just keeping an eye out for them really. I hear you. Talk to me a little bit more about the employee mindset. So we know when we study organizations and organization culture, we know that it takes about an average of three days for a new employee to assimilate into the organizational mm -hmm. culture. And to change organizational culture is, you know, you're talking about moving a mountain. So what's been your experience of employees fresh coming in the door with, with a preset notion of what things should be. Mm -hmm. Are you finding resistance? Are you finding differences? Are you finding shock and awe? What's going on? Well, that's it's a very good question. We do find there's we have we've had experiences of all. We find some people come in and go, oh my God, this is amazing. And just really just settling into it. We find people that have come from really, really strict like office kind of cultures, office environments where it's like, no, but how do I how do you know that I'm working if you haven't seen my hours or if I haven't clocked in or have and it's it, again it's all about re-educating and then but it takes time it really does take time and it's it's a case of um 
like we call it detoxifying. It's a case of sort of like re-educating people that it doesn't mean like just because you sit eight hours at a desk, it doesn't mean that you're more or less productive than somebody that can do what you've done in an hour and then gone on and lived their life. You know, it's for us, it's it's more about the education side of things, sort of, you know, coaching people through it and be like, like we've had, you know, there there have been people that come up, come on board and it's like, OK, but um there are so many hours of the day. How many hours do I need to allocate? And that's, that's, you know, that's a personal preference. Me personally, I will block out my calendar. And this is what we advise people to do. It's like block out your calendar for things you like to do. Don't make work be the be all and end all of your day, you know, and, and it's different. It's new. It's still new, especially in this region. It's still new. And people are just like, what do you mean I can do, like, I can go to appointments in the middle of the day, you know? I can pick up my kids and have lunch with them. I can make my own decisions. Yeah, I can make my own decisions. And it is, it's a learning curve. Um, But then again, some people get it and some people don't. You know, there are some people that are hardwired into that culture, like the banking culture, like, you know, it's, there are some people that it won't work for. And we keep saying, like, Nibble is not for everybody. You know, some people will not get it. And that's fine. You know, like we also say we don't do hand-holding. It's like, you know, this is your role. You're an expert in your field. That's why you're here. So run with it. Do, you know, um, produce your results. But we're not going to handhold. We're a growing startup, you know, and there's a lot of pressures. And again, some people can deal with it. Some people can't. So it's it's all about mindset at the end of the day and, and how you're hardwired. If I'm taking somebody out of a 40-year career in a bank and then going... Do what you want, you know, just produce results. You know, you know, it's not saying that they're a, you know, it's not saying that they're a like a bad employee, quote unquote, but it's just, you know, it's that's not how it's not what we're that's trained not they're trained to do. to do. And it's again, I guess it's a case of educating people on that there are other ways. There are many ways to skin a cat, right? So sorry, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to cat lovers everywhere. Sorry, cat lovers. But it's it, again, it's just about educating and showing people that it can be done. We see super, we, our team are super efficient. And from a management point of view, it's really nice to not be have to be going, oh, oh, do you think they're online yet? Or have they done this or have they? No, the, the deadline is set and your results come and that's it. End of story. It takes a lot of pressure off management. But again, it's coaching. It's, you know, educating and it's having a really solid sort of like um, performance management structure in place so that people know what's expected of them. That's interesting. You know, I'm gonna. I want. I want a little bit of feedback on the other side of that fence, also. And but before I get to that, um, there's been a lot of research. For example, there's one one particular research that tells us that taking a nap midday increases your productivity. And what they found in organizations where they told everybody, "Hey, you need to take a nap because it'll increase productivity," is that, especially in Japan, that when the manager would walk past, people would fake sleep in their offices. <laughs> you know, so so we we've seen that type of stuff too. But I'm actually more interested in the management itself. Mm-hmm. Everybody in management kind of operates with the same old school philosophy. And that's this dinosaur strategy of, hey man, I, I need to see you working. I need to see you clock in and see you clock out. Where did you find your management? Well, we were lucky in that. Um, so our manage, management are mainly our founders. We've had managers that have come from toxic environments and that they actually, they came on board going, no, culture is everything. Your health and well-being is everything. That was the whole mindset behind the HR strategy, you know. And when I was um, interviewing for my role at Nibble, um, I was coming out of a very, oh, this is going to sound bad, but I was coming out of a very toxic environment. Um, 
not from a bad place, but from another startup where startups are very kind of, it's a unique sort of landscape. You can have the founders of startups that are, this is my baby, this is how I've always done it, and this is how we're going to do it. And then they expect to grow and but not you know not let the people that they bring on board do the jobs that they were brought on board to do and with nibble we're so lucky we've got very sort of like forward thinking founders that are like no we don't want to do things the way everyone else does it we want to you know break barriers we want to change the landscape we want to change the game you're the expert come and do it so from a culture point of view it was we're very people first we're very team first and it's you know, empty sacks don't stand, right? So if your team are depleted or deflated, nobody's going to do the work that you need them to do. And on with a remote team, it's very, very difficult to be that kind of, to go into that old school, you know, micromanaging mindset. When you've got people, we've got people in 12 different countries in the world. We've got 46 employees, you know, and we have two offices with very small, like, employee, employee headcount. Everyone else is around the world. If we don't treat them with autonomy and with like that kind of respect. respect, you're not going to get the results you want to see. So it had to be from day one, that's the mindset that we were putting into place. So that's how it works. And then again, with when we're bringing on new management, they have, it's again, it's about educating them. It's like, this is how it works at Nibble. And this is, you know, this is the, and it's, it's, I think managers, because you were not expecting managers to micromanage their team, it's like, oh, actually, I can be a manager that's liked. Like, I'm an HR person that's liked, and I'd like to say liked a little. <laughs> but it's, you know, you don't walk into a room and everyone's like, oh, it's HR, it's HR, you know, mm-hmm. pretend like you're working. You know, we don't have that at Nibble. Like, I can go in to any of, any of our offices and everyone's like, you know, everyone's happy to be there. We don't want an employee any morning to go, oh, God, I've got to go to work, you know. There's no, we don't have that in it, but we're so lucky. Oh, it sounds wonderful. It I'm actually going to come back to that because now you're mm-hmm. now you're showing me the other side of the fence. You're showing me it's all green and it's it's amazing. And I'm like, oh my god, how do I get there? Or how do I get more organizations <laughs> there? But you brought up something very interesting. And I'm going to uh, you know point to you, Louise, for a second. And we've been on talks before, and I know you're a big champion for positive psychology. Tell us more, please. So positive psychology, I actually admittedly hate the word because it makes it sound like it's positive and there's like prancing unicorns and, you know, uh, disco balls and gold dust. And actually, it's not that at all. So it's simply just looking at the other half of human experience. So instead of looking at, you know, how do we remove the doom and gloom, I like to call it. So focusing on depression, anxiety, negative emotional experiences, it's looking at how do we use those same the same science essentially to um, make life great. So how do we boost meaning and purpose and positive emotional experiences and how do we treat those as seriously as we do the negative side of life? So actually validating that these things matter and happiness matters and it is why we get up in the morning. It's not just Mm. not to be miserable, but it's to have a life that's meaningful and Mm. that is enjoyable to live on a daily basis. I, I can guarantee can you there's, a, there's, a whole bunch of, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of listeners like, what is this woman talking about? I know, right? Like, what? <laughs> like, it's supposed to be miserable. <laughs> In which life is this supposed to have? <laughs> yeah. I, I think it has a lot. You're right. I agree with you. It ha- but it has a lot to do with finding that balance. And, yeah. and, and it's impossible to do if you don't have the workplace to match. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We spend 
Yeah. You know, outside of sleep, we spend the most amount of time. At actually, work? a lot of people spend more time at work than even at sleep. Yeah. Let me correct yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, but but coming back to you, um, you know, I wanted to ask you, um, Reem, how how are we doing this at an organization level? How are we inst- inst- instituting or promoting this positive approach to things? And I really want to kind of hear from you in terms of how can I copy paste this to other places? What has been your your keys to success that the listeners of who are in management can say, hey, man, you know what? This is great. But what do I do next to bring it into my organization? I think what's really important is, again, the autonomy of your team. It actually it starts from your recruitment, right? The recruitment process in Nibble is quite lengthy, but because we want like you can teach somebody the technical side of things, but you can't teach them the culture that we want in our organization. So we have to be very specific, like for instance, for our benefit, we have an amazing we have amazing benefits that we give our team. So we have, you know, um, unlimited leave. We've got no working hours. Remote work, work from where you want. So we have a, um, a what's it called a um, work change location thing. So you can you can just pop in the system. Oh, I'm going to work from Jordan for the next six weeks. Or I'm going to and there's no issue. You just go and do that. That's done. Having said that. When we put that in a, in a job advert, I'm going to get 30,000 CVs saying, yes, I can do that. But it again, it takes like anybody, even somebody 40 years in a bank goes, oh, I could do that. That's going to be amazing. But you, there's a lot of um, interview process. There's a large, long interview process that goes through, that we have to go through to make sure that that person actually is mentally in that right headspace to be taking on one of those roles. Once you find those people, it's about maintaining that autonomy. It's, you know, when they say sort of, and this is going to sound really awful, but it's HR. <laughs> I'm used to that. But like one rotten apple ruins the bun, ruins the bunch. It is true. It just yeah. takes that one person that's not that right fit, you know, that you've skimmed over and you're like, oh no, let's just give them it. Let's just give them a chance. And then it's like, oh no, my team are going to be in from this time to, the, and then it like filters through the team. So you just need to be super, super careful right from the beginning, from the recruitment aspect of it, to make sure you're bringing the right people on board. I keep stealing this poor lady's quote, um, the HR um, of Netflix. She said, we, we're hiring responsible adults. Right, adult like responsible adults that are not going to sort of like take advantage. They're not going to, you know, like we have a remote team. I don't know if somebody's, you know, uh, doing what they need to do for their deadlines across the world. I only know when the deadlines come, you know. So it's it's employing the right people, putting the right mindset, and also what we do say at Nibble is we're not a family, we're a team. And why we say that is a lot of organizations will say, we're a family, we're a family, yeah, we're oh, a family, please, no. <laughs> work at the weekend, we're a family, can you just stay? You know, it's like, no, we're a team that supports your family. So your family comes first and we're here to support you. We we take pride in that. So like if there's an, any unfortunate incident, someone's kid fell over at school, broke her arm, whatever, there's none, none of our team will go, oh no, hold on, I wonder if I can, no, it's like drop everything, go. We're here to support you, you know, and we, you know, we've had several instances of that, of like even people as they just joined, I mean, I'm going to, he's going to shoot me, but I'm going to take my brother as an example. Um, my brother is our um, head of strategy, um, strategy, corporate strategy for Nibble. He joined, and he's my younger brother, and a few weeks, months after he joined, just randomly had a stroke. And it was a complete nightmare, but it was, it. we never had that fear that, oh my God, he's going to lose his job. 
he was in the hospital and he was I was going back and forth to the hospital and the amount of people like that were in the hospital in beds going doctor can you discharge me because I have to go back to work we would never want any of our team at Nibble even if it's a cold to have to think oh no work comes before my health work comes before my family you know it's it's, but it's difficult for people to see that. It's like, oh, well, we'll need, by the labor law, we need a health, uh, a medical certificate. And it's like, no, I don't. I'm trusting that person to do a role for me. If they're telling me they're sick, I'm not going to then second guess them and say, oh, are you sick? I need a, I need a medical report. Oh, it's been more than two days. I need, no, you know, so it's hiring the right people, hiring responsible adults, and then giving the autonomy to do the role. Um, and once you, and also the reasoning behind the, you know, the purpose of their role, you put all of that information into that person's hands and then go run with it, you know, and then you get the right people and then you get the results and then you get the efficiency. I actually have to go around to our team and make sure people are taking time off. We have unlimited leave. I still have to force people to go on leave. And they're like, well, no, because in my last role, I used to take leave so I can go and do my errands, you know, and I'm like, then like, but now I can do my errands around what I have to do for work. So I don't really need to take leave. No, no, you need to take leave because, you know, burnout is real. But I enjoy my role. I get that. But burnout is real. You need to take your leave and rest and stop answering the phone. And, I, you know, I have to like, like argue with people to take leave, which is it's a great. Okay, no, it's not it's a, a compliment, great it's, but yeah. it's a compliment. But at the same time, the days of, oh, my team works every hour God sends, those days are gone. You know, that's that's no longer an accolade that people should be showing off about, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, this is really nice. Luis, if you could kind of share a little bit more about this this mindset that we're talking about of people who are responsible adults. I teach at a university. I don't I don't see that happening. <laughs> I get asked for extensions on deadlines. <laughs> so so where do, where are we finding these people and how can mm. we create more of them? Yeah, and you know, I don't know. Again, maybe it's the magical unicorn unicorn uh, land, I don't know, but um but but I think it is it speaks to um, an increasing awareness on the part of individuals everywhere who are starting to say, "Hmm, wait a minute. You trust me?" Well, mm. that's interesting because I trust me too. So yeah. we're a good match. Let's let's work together. So I think, you know, those employees are going to find those organizations uh, more and more. And um, I think more and more we have organizations like Nibble and others like them. Um, the dinosaur organizations are going to start to lose because mm. now those mature, responsible um, employees have somewhere to go suddenly. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I, I think that's part of that great resignation that we're starting yes. to see as well. People are just saying, you know what, I'm not a child. I, I know what's yeah. expected of me. And so just let me do it. Yeah. Yep, yeah, makes sense. Um, last thing I wanna hear from both of you on this. So I see kind of it two sides now. We, we have the default toxic work environment that very clearly we've identified most global organizations are. And then we have, you know, like Nibble as an example of very forward thinking, future forward, positive thinking organizations where, you know, we trust you to do your job uh, versus where, you know, I got to watch you do your job to make sure you're doing your job. Two things on that. First, how do we get these toxic work environments to be less toxic? You know, I'm, I'm happy with just let's reduce the toxicity <laughs> a little bit. Right. And then the other side of that question is how how can we um, incentivize or promote or, or you know sell to all of these up and coming startups that hey wait you know your organizational structure 
here's a new way of doing it. Um, maybe I'll start with addressing the first one. Um, I think having conversations like this, um, I think, you know, as people become aware that organizations like Nibble exist, that this is a new reality, that this is a thing. It's not just a pipe dream you have at 3 a.m. when you have anxiety pangs on a Sunday night going to work the next day. Um, and I, I've had a few interesting conversations with you know, senior leaders who, you know, on the front of it, it's, you know, macho, I used to work 18 hours. Rah, rah. Mm. And then, you know, when you scratch the surface a little bit, it's like, yeah, and that came at a cost. I'm on my fourth wife and my kids don't speak to me. And uh, I had my third heart attack. It's like doing good, doing good. So how's that working for you? And I, I see this interesting thing where a lot of these older, that older generation is looking at the younger generation and saying, okay, I can't say it because there's stigma by me saying I want to work less than 18 hours, but if you do it, I'll follow you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of exciting. So I think the more we talk about this, we make it become a reality and, it, you know, we raise expectations, but I think those expectations have always been there. Now uh, it, it's real and people are doing it and people are going to walk towards those organizations. I mean, I think, yeah, I, and it's definitely an employee market at the moment. It's like, well, if you're not going to give it to me, the next guy is. But I think from a from a, a dinosaur, um, <laughs> from, a, from a dinosaur organization point of view, a really good way of like sort of like convincing them is the financial aspect. It's like, well, you know, it's less of a, well, environmentally less of a carbon footprint for you to have, you can have smaller offices. You can have sort of like a hot desk office where nobody, you know, you can pay people less because they're not commuting into work. Like, you know, you have to hit them in the pocket. <laughs> less real estate costs. Yeah, less real estate yeah. costs, that kind of thing. Less sick leave Le too. Less sick leave, less, you know, extended, you know, sick leave and whatnot. So I think it's a case of, you know, they need to, these organizations need to understand that there is the, there is the, the, the well we've had the great resignation but there's also this new this new buzz thing now which is the quiet quitting mm -hmm, thing mm -hmm. which is essentially I'm doing my job but they're calling it quiet quitting so it's like people are now going okay well I'm actually going to work just from these hours and it's like well yeah that's what you're paid for many HR perspective that's what you're paid for but it's it's it, should, it shouldn't need to be a movement. It should be like organizations going, okay, this is the way the world is going. COVID has taught us we don't need to be in the office. I mean, as a like as HR, I've seen it. I, we saw it before COVID and it's just like COVID has just pushed it into like existence now. I think this region at the minute is it's catching on slowly, but there are still some sort of like draconian organizations that are like, okay, COVID's done now, come back to the office. People are like, well, no. You know, I don't want to sit in the traffic for an hour in the morning and then decompress for an hour and a half when I get there. Time I don't it, get paid for. Yeah, exactly. A day and a half a week. It's incredible. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and, but then it's like you're losing out because they're getting to work stressed first. So they, they take that first half an hour, 45 minutes to decompress, you know, and then they look at their emails and then they get annoyed because and then they take their lunch break. So they're not actually working, you know, whereas if I'm saying to you, come to work, like I, I'm not a morning person. I before 10 o'clock my mornings don't exist so I'll wake up early go to the gym get that out of the way and I get to my desk at 10 o'clock and I'm and I'm good to go whereas at, in the office I'm still I'm still frustrated at 10 because I've had that anxiety of getting to the office everyone's anxious so the tension in the office is palpable you know it's just you know like they need to understand draconian companies need to understand they need to move forward and give their employees 
the autonomy that they're paying them for. Uh, I agree with you guys 100%. I'm going to pop in a tiny story here. So I teach, and, and uh, we just had a restructuring because of the, uh, the weekdays and the weekend change in the UAE. But prior to that, I was teaching three days a week. I would have classes between 11 and 3. And, you know, and my dad, career guy, started with one company, retired from the same company as CEO 30-some years. And he would be at the house reading the newspaper, and he'd be like, yeah, it's Tuesday, why are you here? <laughs> I don't have work. And then he would look at me and just say nothing. And the next day, it's Wednesday, why are, when are you going to work? I'm like, yeah, in another half hour. But it's almost lunchtime. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, this, isn't that great? This is, <laughs> this is how my work it's is. It's amazing. Man. And then, and then I, I'm, I'm telling you, like it was the first at least four years of my work. Every time he would make a comment, okay, this is good, but when are you going to get a real job? Because to him, yeah. a real job, because this is what he this is yeah. what he was in. Now he's retired, right? Mm. But in the era that he was working, this was the, you know, the, the eight to five or nine to five or whatever it is. Yeah. And and you you worked and you had hours, you clocked them in, you clocked out, and that's how the entire organization mm -hmm. works. So uh, I, I understand from his perspective that he would, when he would look at me, and then of course the three and a half months paid vacation really hurt too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. But I think it's about time, and you're right, ladies, very much so, how COVID has really shown that people can work outside the office. You don't need to sit on top of them. And people want a life. Yeah, yes. And I think, I think the new, new discussion that I'm having, one of the courses I teach is career management. I've been trying to push this for so long. And I'm like, guys, when we talk about balance, why does everyone say work and life as if it's two separate mm -hmm. things? Mm -hmm. It yeah. should be one thing. It should be life. And within life, you want to balance everything that you do in it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm just going to wrap it up here. I think this was absolutely fantastic to have you guys. Great insight. Thank you. On Thank all you. of these sort of things. Thanks. Lots to think about from a potential future employee perspective. Um, people who are thinking of setting up their startups. And even mm -hmm. our old school dinosaur organizations can change. <laughs> yep. I, I've seen it happen. Yeah. Uh, but I think the, the big message is that it's time to push. Absolutely. It's time to push and very much so talks like these with Nibble are great because it creates awareness and from awareness we finally move from some sort of movement. So thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Wonderful. Thanks thank you so time. much. Have a great day everyone. Great day.